welcome to Noclip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rutherman. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Neon White, a game that was developed by Angel Matrix, published by Annapurna Interactive, and was released in 2022 on Windows, Switch, PS4, and PS5. But first, if you can give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. I have a brief note uh-huh. to cover at the very beginning, uh, <laughs> because this game was developed uh, by one Ben Esposito, uh, who y- listeners may remember as the developer of Donut County, uh, which is about as far away <laughs> from Neon White as you could possibly get. So I thought it was kind of an amusing footnote to add to the beginning of this. <laughs> I knew I recognized that name, but then did not bother to look up who it was. Yeah, I, I did look it up and then immediately felt foolish because <laughs> I remember saying it aloud. I had like a sense memory mm-hmm. of saying his name on the Donut County episode. But uh, there you go. Check out the Donut County episode, No Clue Pocket, and like and subscribe. Uh <laughs> Neon White is a first-person platform shooter game uh, with a focus on sort of like on on speed running on on improving your time. It's a very arcade style game, uh, and it makes it actually very easy to describe. Uh, the complications of the game don't really come into play until you're actually in it, uh, and once you are, it's like you have to start speaking the game's language is mm-hmm. how I would put it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the game feels like it's going to be overwhelming. Yes. But somehow isn't also. Yes. It's very good at that, like invisible tutorial type thing where it slowly builds up your skills. Like I never really hit like a steep, like difficulty spike where i'm like oh, i was doing fine and now i suck yeah i think it was like on a run through of one of the levels in chapter 11 is when i like had the realization that the things i was doing were insane compared to what i was doing before mm-hmm. and i was like oh fuck like i didn't even sense my improvement really uh, but it was plainly obvious from what I was seeing myself do <laughs> on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really satisfying feeling to play this game uh, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and this very... It's not even like... It's not an expressive uh, system, like the way that the game plays. I, I guess it can be, uh, which we can talk about in a bit. But realistically, this, to me, harks back to those games like Celeste or Hotline Miami or Super Meat Boy, uh, where it's a game where you can just keep going and going and going until you get the what you consider to be the perfect run uh, once you had the level memorized and everything down. Uh, and there's a, a satisfaction to performing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, one of, like, the things for me, like... At first, like, the early levels, you know, like, you're going, I'm going through them, and it's like, I get, like, a silver medal, and, you know, I'm like, oh, how the fuck do you get the ace, you know, blah, 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 because I don't really understand the game yet, and so I get to, like, mission three, and then I went back to mission one's levels, and uh, it was just, like, a cool moment where I did level two, and 
there it's it's like a really short one where you just jump over to a platform you have to shoot the balloon demons mm-hmm. and they hadn't tutorialized the the what is it discard abilities right uh yet so i was like oh i can just like throw a bomb at them right and then like blast across the thing and complete the whole level in like eight seconds uh it, it had like cool moments like that whereas like even just from mission one to mission three like how much i like my understanding of the game had like just skyrocketed right yeah and i, I never I, as far as i remember i did not go back to to mission one after i finished the second one there's a pretty quick uh reassessment of how i was gonna play this game that happened really early where I got through the first stage and I didn't replay any of the levels. I just went through them. Like the, I was like, it's a tutorial, whatever. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went to the first stage and then I get back from the first stage and they're like, your rank has to be X mm-hmm. amount before you can get the next thing. And I was like, well, I'll go through and try and get the highest tier reward on every stage while I can because I know that by the end of the game, I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. And like you mentioned about not ever running into a really steep difficulty spike, that never happened. I just kept going and ended the game with every ace medal and every present. So it, I was I, I was certain that this game was going to become impossible. Mm. And it just never got there. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. For my experience, it seemed like a good thing. I uh, felt like by yeah. the end, I was like cruising. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, um, it really it would have really killed my enthusiasm <laughs> if it like got super hard at some point. Yeah, and but the the interesting thing about it is that the mechanics absolutely could stand up to that. Like if the game decided to become a meat boy at the end, mm-hmm. I I think. It, it could have still maintained fun, at least for a while, up that hill. There'd be a point where I would check out. And I think there'd be a point where most people would check out, except for extreme diehards. Yeah, it could use, like, optional levels. Like, Something some like seasides that. from Celeste or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it has uh, level rushes. We're, this is far beyond where we should be talking. Uh-huh. But I was disappointed to find that they were mostly just the same levels from before. So. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, no, I'm surprised that you ever went back to the hub world and they told you your rank wasn't high or low <laughs> enough to proceed. Right. Um. You're like I I when this game came out, it made the rounds on YouTube. Like everyone talked about it. Um. So I already knew that it was the kind of game where the point was to go as fast as possible. So like even uh from the beginning, I wouldn't move on till I got a gold rank. Right. Which is, I thought that was interesting because I usually don't engage with that type of thing, like in uh, like Devil May Cry or a Bayonetta or something. Like, I just cruise on those bronze <laughs> ranks and don't care at all. I don't know if it's because of the genre or the length of the levels or what exactly it is, but like it, like you want to do them over and over again. Uh, at least for a while, I kind of started to to break down a bit towards the 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 last third of the game. I I did too, but for what I'm going to imagine is an extremely different reason than you. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So just on on your first point before we move on to that, mm-hmm. I think uh, 
what's interesting is I, I mentioned Hotline Miami before, and that to me is the closest touchstone to this. Uh, and this ends up being a game that I like a similar amount to Hotline Miami, um, which, if you know me, is is pretty high praise. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the thing with Hotline Miami is that it didn't. Well, it did time you, and there are people who speedrun the game, but it makes you replay the levels over and over because it is very hard. And so you have to learn the levels in order to be able to complete them. This game, very easy to complete levels. There are very few things that can even kill you. You The health bar, like the three hearts, Mm. is kind of even just a nominal inclusion. I think I was killed a few times outside of boss fights mm-hmm. and i was always surprised every time i was like when did i take damage <laughs> uh and so it, it, it was like you have to motivate yourself to want to increase the time the intrinsic that's wrong the extrinsic uh motivation for uh collecting the metals or to go fast is to mm-hmm. collect metals like that's the purpose of it uh, and so it, it was more of a self-motivated thing where you're like, can I go faster? And by that, I mean, I lied. And my <laughs> motivation came from beating JJ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was because in the first few levels, his times were like, to me, impossibly fast. Right. I was like, there ain't no way I ever beat. I bet he did the thing that he does sometimes <laughs> and just was very good at this game. And I'm, I have no hope. He, he found out how to play it with touch controls somehow. <laughs> yeah, he was using tilt controls, uh, Mario Kart 8. And, uh, <laughs> and eventually I got to a point where I, I beat his time. And, like, I texted him. I was like, hey, how does it feel to eat dirt uh, for every meal of the day? Uh, And he was like, ha-ha, kick my butt. And I was like, I will. And then I went back, and I started trying to beat his times on all the other levels. Uh, But here's the thing. JJ didn't finish the game. Yeah, no, I was actually surprised. I just assumed he had beaten it. Yeah, I also did, until I messaged him about it. He was like, I've been playing, like, one level a month. So, like, I'm... (laughs) I'm not that far in. And so I was like, oh, shit. And then when I got to the point that he had reached, uh, my motivation to, like, really push it was gone. Because mm, okay. I, I was no longer proving myself to anyone. Not that I was before. Yeah. Because it would require JJ to go check again. But then there's also a time it, during our playing of the game where you got ahead of me. Right. And I noticed that your times got worse. After you got ahead of me compared to where they were before. Yeah, that wasn't motivated by lack of competition. Like, I just wanted to finish the game. I knew you would say that. And <laughs> I believe you, I guess. Yeah. But in my brain, I yeah. was like, I got to get in front of him again to give him the motivation <laughs> to finish. Well, they didn't go back up after that. Okay. So I have proof. <laughs> um, but... um. I kind of had an inverse thing mm. where I would see yours and JJ's times and be like, huh, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not going to put forth that effort. Um, and then I got to a point where then I was going back and then I was uh, going for trying to get all the ace medals um, and not just the gold ones. And I was like, haha, I was able to like get the top score out of all three of us, like on a number of stages, I'm like, ah, oh, these are going to stand because no one else is going to go back and check. That's true. 
top of the leaderboard. I will say, I always uh, had. But a... yeah, after the second or the second half of the game, my uh, willingness to do that fell off pretty steeply, as I knew it would. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I and I knew that it wouldn't be, at the very least, as motivating a factor for you. Uh, as it was for me, but it, it really drove me early in the game to become better, and then I was able to sort of take the skill that I gathered in that and apply it to the rest of the game as I continued. Same. It had the same result. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't be the only one not getting the ace medals <laughs> like on the first three missions. Right, that's ridiculous. No, We would all laugh at you. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I will say I always had a mitigating factor because... When I started to beat JJ, uh, I was number two on my friends list. Uh, because there's one guy who I haven't spoken to in about a decade. Uh, I used to know him in college. Uh, he apparently is either cheating or <laughs> extremely dedicated to this. Uh, because I would finish a level. It would be like the par for ace would be like, 40 seconds mm -hmm. and i would in my humble opinion destroy the level and get like 35 seconds and then he would have a score of like 17 and i'm like <laughs> how is that even possible like where is the seam that you can slip through to the end but it's on like every level mm -hmm. so i have no idea what he was doing it just seems like he practiced a lot yeah i mean there's probably like uh like I imagine some people probably just like look up on YouTube like the fastest way to beat the level. Like there's like when they introduced the rocket launcher power up. Yeah. Uh it did not work at all how I thought it would. Like I was like <laughs> trying to use it and I'm like, how the fuck do I get up there without like using all the ammo? So I had to like look up a YouTube video and it's really hard to find someone just playing the level normal. It's like any video is like, I beat the level in two seconds okay. or whatever. Like, <laughs> and they're just blasting with the fucking rocket to like. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, if you want to get like a ludicrous time, like you can just look up how to do it. Yeah. I, I wanted to check um, sort of like what the fuck was going on. Uh, not with that necessarily, but like uh, when you unlock the global leaderboards, I was like, this is my time and I'm like 17,000th place or whatever in the world. And so you click on the button that says like go to the top and like the top like 15 pages are just people who have a time of like 0 0.02 seconds. And it's <laughs> like that obviously these people are not legitimately playing the game. Yeah. And I really wish there was some way to filter that out because it makes the whole experience like of looking at the global leaderboard useless. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, when you are 17,000th place, you don't care what place you're in. Mm -hmm. You want to see what like the highest possible and how far off of it you actually are. And it's impossible to tell. So the global leaderboard was like a real nothing. Yeah. And kind of has been, as far as motivation goes, since the concept was introduced <laughs> on the Xbox 360. Yeah, I, I opened it once, saw that I was like 27,000-somethingth <laughs> place, and then just closed it. Yeah, I was like, this is Did not even look at the top scores. <laughs> yeah, this isn't <laughs> yeah. relevant information. Yeah, I am anyway. not the person that this is in the game for. <laughs> no. Uh, and in fact, the people who it is in the game for are the only people who can see 
what the top scoring uh, stages are actually like because they will be page-wise relatively close to that range mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to the people at the very top who are literally all cheating. Uh, so that's fun and <laughs> unfortunate, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I guess to switch gears, um, what do you think about how the the guns slash abilities are presented as cards it to me i i feel like when i saw this game for the first time so my experience you said that you knew sort of generally what this game was about. yeah i feel like yeah everyone and their mother talked about this game when it came out right and i was on a strict do not talk to moms regiment <laughs> uh because i had uh i knew from the trailer that i saw a year ago and uh, a vague sort of atmospheric understanding of what the game was, but did not actually know all that much about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did remember from that trailer I saw that the card thing was a uh, an element of it. And I was really expecting it to be way more complicated than it was. When mm-hmm. I see cards in anything, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like a very robust system. Right. Uh, it isn't. It feels like the cards are mostly there as just a visual indicator. Um, and mm. I kind of don't like it. Oh, it's really? like not my favorite way of indicating these things. It's better than if they showed a 3D model <laughs> of a pistol rotating around like it's time splitters yeah but i think that it gets a little bit confusing especially when they put the tutorial cards and like some Mm. of the cards look similar not the colored weapon ones but like the the page from the book of life card looks like a tutorial card yeah and there are some of those that i intentionally avoid when i'm doing runs and i'll Mm -hmm. get my brain gets confused because i'm not in control when i'm playing the game uh so yeah i i think it's good but I don't think it is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I think I, I like it, but um, yeah, I just, I feel like it's pro. I, I wonder if it's in there because they wanted it to be like, help people like not think of like the guns and the abilities as separate things. Like if it's like a card and then you discard it to do a different thing. Right. Maybe that concept like clicks better with people. Or it could be like just a like a side effect of like just game design. Like maybe when like when they were prototyping, they just put in like a box because right. they didn't have a model for a gun or whatever. And they're like, well, maybe it's just like a different colored box. And like I think it does make it really. Like, you just notice the colors and like the simple color coding. I think makes was one of the things that makes it so easy to play the game. Yeah, I and I agree with that. I think as far as the UI and the actual like usability of the cards, I think it's a great system because it, I was very concerned early on that I would get confused as to like what ability I had available. Mm-hmm. But you never really do. I think there's like one part of the game, like one jump ever <laughs> where you are absolutely required to switch mm. before you perform the thing. Yep. That uh, level is called Switch. <laughs> well, there it is. Yeah. Uh, and it did trip me up because, yeah, you never have to switch the cards until, like, the last handful of levels. Right. Um, and I just completely forgot that was a mechanic. <laughs> uh, like, I was, like, ha- probably halfway through the game, and I was, like, trying to get a present. And I'm like, how the fuck is this possible? And you just had to switch the cards. And I was like, oh, yeah. 
Yep. That's a thing you can do. <laughs> that seemed like I'm glad that they didn't have you doing that all the time, but it does feel like weird that it's like a neglected mechanic. Yeah. I also wish that it was it is. I am glad that they they yeah. don't have you doing it all the time. You are right that that is a good thing. <laughs> I wish that there was more. Not that there was more of it. I just wish there was more of an indication of when it was happening, mm. so to speak. Like it, the your active card should be more plainly obvious looking at the screen. Mm. And also when you pick up a new card, I literally don't know which <laughs> one it's replacing. If is it going to replace the one in my in my hand, the one in reserve, or if there's like some kind of hidden power up hierarchy that says like if you have a yellow and pick up a blue then it'll replace the yellow but mm. won't replace the purple or something i got i hadn't even thought about it there are a couple of presents like it's, they it's, require you to sequence things right weirdly. yeah yeah i feel like it always felt intuitive while i was playing yep but i can't describe it i think maybe it has to do with how many of a card you have like if you have three yellows and a blue and then you picked up a green, I think it, the green would replace the blue. But you would keep the three yellows. I think. That could be. But I don't, I am not confident in that at all. <laughs> yeah, I have, so, I am also yeah. 0% confident. Yeah, I think it's another one of those things that speaks to like how well this game is designed, is that you don't think about that stuff. Like it must be really carefully laid out so that like you always have the right card at the top. Yeah. Yeah, and also I, I do think that like, uh, if you were to, if you really wanted to pick the game apart and find the places where it breaks down, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess technically is what we try to do sometimes, uh, the gift finding is mm. where that happens. Yeah. But I also understand the kind of person that it's in there for. It isn't really for me. It mm-hmm. probably would have been for me about 15 years ago, but as of right now, like I did it mostly begrudgingly there were a yeah. few that i would have given up on if i didn't feel like i was gonna miss out on something yeah i i gave up on the gifts a lot faster not because i didn't like getting them like yeah i i hated it when i was doing a level and it just took me several runs to find where it was yeah like that was my least favorite thing Actually, trying to get to it was usually satisfying. Right. With a few exceptions. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of the seams show, because, like, exploration... Yeah, it's not... Yeah. It's not geared You got that. limited resources, mm-hmm. and you don't have to acknowledge it, but there's a time limit. So, like, I don't, that at least bothers me, that there's, there's like, a like ticking clock ticking. on the screen. I'm like, I know I'm taking a long time, okay, game. You're like, once I'm done finding the present, I'll do a real fast run just for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, like, this is a pretty, as far as games that we do for the podcast, because we generally crank through them pretty quickly, uh, there's a lot of sort of... Let's l- just look this up. I don't want to spend two hours doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, this is a pretty internet-free game for me. I think I looked up like three or four presents to figure out where they were. But you, the actual hunting for them is sometimes just like, there's literally no indication on screen where these could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have no cards left, so I just like throw myself off a cliff. <laughs> and I'm like looking around to yep. see if I can see the circle. The last dish effort. <laughs> Yeah, to try and find where it is. Yeah, and that's also what made me actually have to think, like, 
if I pick up this card, am I going to lose the cards that I need to get over to the present? Mm-hmm. Uh, and some, and I just, I swear, I tried multiple different ways of picking up a card once, mm-hmm. and it just didn't do what I thought it was going to do any time. Yeah. It was uh, just weird. I guess, yeah, I luckily never really got too in the weeds on that. Yeah. Um, there was some stuff towards the end of the game with, like, having the rocket launcher and the page of the book of life, which both teleport you to thing. Well, one's a grappling hook that right. takes you there at normal speed <laughs> and one teleports you. Uh, and, but like they essentially com- accomplish the same thing. So like, it would kind of like, I would in my head, like not realize I was using the rocket launcher instead of the teleport. And it would kind of like throw me off occasionally. Yeah. And then you end up using the rocket launcher. Yeah, you accidentally like right click or yeah. yeah or yeah. The rocket launcher to me is like the most interesting card. Like if you just run through all of the things, mm-hmm. it's a pistol that which also I should mention, I was gonna say this like an hour ago and just forgot. Mm-hmm. The card system does also make you think less about the relationship between the gun and the ability, mm-hmm. which I think is a strong reason to abstract it. Uh, Cause there's nothing about a pistol that makes me think double jump. Right. That's just what the, it does. It's called elevate. It's like named yeah. after the thing. I always imagined uh, it as like ejecting the clip being the thing that propels and... you in the air. <laughs> Okay. I was always, I, I, I immediately go to recoil. Like you shoot it in the right. ground and fly up in the air, but that's obviously ridiculous. Yeah, that's how the rocket launcher works. That's how the rocket launcher works. That's uh, sort of. Uh, but yeah, it'll be, it's it's pistol double jump, uh, machine gun, and grenade. grenade. Uh, Some machine gun, stomp. Mm-hmm. The blue one, rifle. the rifle, yeah. as a dash forward. Uh, the rocket launcher is a grappling hook, and the page of the book, you know, the shotgun is fireball, oh, which yeah. is subtly different than a dash. It lets you, you go in control. any direction, yeah. Yeah. So it, it is, like, some of them make a lot of sense, some of them don't, but you don't <laughs> think about it because of the card abstraction. So I thought it was, that was all very good. Yeah. Uh, but I want to talk about the rocket launcher, because I'm really interested in... How you came at it, because the the rocket launcher works functionally exactly the same as the rocket launcher in Quake does. Oh, okay. And I'm guessing that you've never played Quake before. Sure haven't. Yeah. So I, I remember thinking, like, I don't know how they're going to make a rocket launcher level hard. Because the rocket launcher is just like, go anywhere and do whatever <laughs> you want. Because it's, <laughs> it's cheating to use. <laughs> Yeah. And it honestly made a lot of the rocket launcher levels some of my least favorite because mm. I felt like they were more aimless. They didn't have a line that mm. was as easily readable. Like, they did have a line, but you had to, like, really fight. Like, some of the ones on the skyscrapers pissed me right the fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, that kind of surprises me. When I got to it, I was like, oh, this is going to be, like, Chad's jam. Oh, the rocket. Like, just, like, being able to, like, fly around and shit. <laughs> it totally would be. <laughs> If the levels they designed around it weren't so enormous, yeah, um, they I didn't find them as hard to read, but like I I get what you mean. Like overall, not just rocket launcher stuff. Like some of my least favorite things are like 
you use the stomp and you blast up with a barrel really high and then you're like where the f- <laughs> where <laughs> you am tr- I supposed you to you have to go? try and find the thing before you're too far away from it to yeah like stuff like that and the rocket launcher definitely leads to those kinds of things yeah but um i don't know i really liked it um i i did think it was unintuitive when i first got to it to like the way you had to blast yourself with it yeah um but once i got it like i think it's really satisfying to use and i i don't like the like pure rocket launcher levels as much but i like how they what they add to the like other levels that use all of the power-ups that like, i can the, just the zipping with. around <laughs> to transition between areas and shit and on the bosses and stuff oh yeah the it's it's what leads to that like next like it it, it, it is a stand-up uh standout power-up because i think it does kind of like lead you into like a second phase of the game where it's like okay now this lets you fucking fly around <laughs> like you know you were only like everything before this was like one thing and the addition of rocket launcher like elevates it to a different thing yeah if that makes sense i think it does i i think that that is 100 percent true like if you were to divide this game into the game is already divided into 12 chapters but if you tried to meta divide it into <laughs> acts based on mechanics it would be like everything up until dominion is the first act then from the dominion to the page from the book of life is the second act and then that tiny sliver of the game where you can teleport everywhere is your third final climax mm-hmm. to ending because like i don't know if you remember the uh, you do remember it because you just did it recently uh-huh. the level where you chase red around yeah it feels like running through mud because you just (laughs) played 10 consecutive levels of the most breakneck fast-paced platforming in the history of the world yeah Uh, and then you go back to just being like oh this one's a double jump i'm like i i gotta get (laughs) put some fucking methamphetamine in that double jump or else i'm not gonna be able to pay attention anymore yeah uh it it is kind of crazy like how little you actually just run on the ground after a certain point yeah and you you realize how slow that feels like you're yeah you're not running on water or any of the other crap you've been doing uh you're just running it does feel really slow but i really liked that level though uh i like the ones that are differences in kind a lot um like some of the side quests are really cool i like the one where you infiltrate the third temple or whatever it is oh yeah um like ones where you don't have to kill demons, I think are interesting. Uh, just as a change of pace. Yeah, and that's actually a good. The third temple level is a great level as a to to look at as a sort of proof. I'm going to say the word proof. I don't think that's really correct. Uh-huh. That uh, the developers really wanted this game to be accessible. Uh, and also, like, you can lose your life to it or whatever. Uh Like, they're the two levels of people who are going to be playing this game. And I, despite going through every level for the ace and repeating stuff several times, uh, would consider myself to be pretty casually into this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And You're you're mid-tier. I'm, like, mid-tier is how I would put it. Uh, (laughs) And so it's interesting to see a level like that where I was going through it and I was watching the timer tick up 
into like the multiple minutes Mm -hmm. and i was like man this is gonna suck to get the ace on but they made the ace extremely lenient so by the time i actually completed the level I just got it, mm-hmm. like on the first go around. So you're like, it, it, it's obvious that the levels where it, they're longer and it would be less appealing to play them over and over again, mm-hmm. they made the requirements for the ace medals more lenient. Uh, so I went from being like, I like this level, but I'm dreading <laughs> grinding it. Right. To just like the level because they didn't need me to grind it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I also like the differences in kind because I think they're treated separately the way yeah. that they should be. And it ends up working out. Uh, three three cheers. <laughs> For Sweet Revenge is probably Neon White's favorite album. Uh, I guess while we're talking about uh, differences in kind levels... Uh, Feels like a huge missed opportunity to have a level where you race another character through it. Yeah. I thought you were going to have to race green to get a thing as like a boss encounter style thing the whole game. And you never do. <laughs> you never ha- or you ever have to race anybody. Yeah, it's a little bit sad. Uh, they To me, it feels like they kept sort of like implying that there were races happening. Yeah, I never really interpreted it that way. It's just like the other person is just always ahead of you. Yeah. Because if they were behind you, you couldn't see them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like sometimes like different characters, like Violet was always trying to fuck with you Mm -hmm. and uh, Yellow was there to help you out. Like I guess Red is the one that's more implied that like there's like a competition there, like that you would be racing her, but... I don't know. Yeah, like, I never really interpreted it that way. Yeah, no, I and I don't think I mean, like, literally a race in that way either. I think it's more just, like, there are levels where it's implied that multiple people are going through them. Mm -hmm. But no matter what you do, you can't win those. Right. I feel like that makes it lose the satisfaction if there is an actual race. Yeah. The only actual racing you do is against yourself. Right, your ghost. Yeah. Which is satisfying to an mm-hmm. extent. I always like to drag a little bit behind at the beginning. Oh yeah, so that I could, so I wouldn't have to think about completing the level and what route to take. I could just follow what it was uh, doing until I got to the point where I had to jump ahead. Yeah, the ghost is probably responsible for like thirty-five percent of my restarts. <laughs> where if I'm lagging behind at the beginning, I'm like, might as well restart now. Yeah, I wasn't going as fast <laughs> as before. Yep. That's a uh, that probably if I had that mindset, my final times may have been slightly faster. Mm-hmm. But I was really just angling for the award, not the fastest <laughs> imaginable time. So, uh, yeah, I, it's not a bad way to be. But that yeah. goes your number one competitor. <laughs> Something that a football coach would say if you had guests in football. I want to talk about boss fights, not necessarily their narrative implication, because I assume we'll save that kind of stuff for the next half. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found the boss fights. I played the first boss fight once, and I said, ooh, this is a game that's not going to want to have boss fights in it. What uh, was the first boss fight? It was, I assume it was just against Green, because that's who all the boss fights are against. Right. I, I thought I remember there being one like earlier on. Yeah, I do too. But... I don't remember what it was. Maybe we just... Oh, it was with Green. It's after he kills Yellow. Right, yeah. yeah. Which happens very early. Yes. 
Uh, and we'll talk about why that was surprising to me, a doofus, mm-hmm. uh, on, in the second half. Uh, but yeah, so you fight green. Yeah. So they are all against green. Yeah. I think it's, th- I think there's three yeah. boss fights all against a green. And the first one made me think that the game shouldn't have boss fights in it. Uh, I think I felt similar. Yeah. But the more I played them, the more interesting they became, it felt like putting an auto scroller in your speed run game. <laughs> like I'm just, a, it's, you put so there's some places where they put chocolate in their peanut butter and in this case they put toothpaste in the peanut butter <laughs> and i was like this is a different thing that i don't want right now uh and eventually i realized that there actually are places to optimize the boss fights mm-hmm. and suddenly it became much more interesting when you're like looking to like oh if i like do this and that like i can get there faster use this weapon instead actually using the switch mechanic which right. you never use uh it made it a lot more interesting, and so I ended up liking them in the end, though I think they sort of blended more in with the rest of the stages mm. than I was expecting them to. Yeah, for me, I, I really liked the second one. I think the second boss fight with Green is the best one, and that the third one felt a little easy. Yeah, I would agree with this. Um, but, um, yeah, I they fell into the camp for me where they felt too long and I did not at all want to play them again. <laughs> yeah, to get a better rank. So we can definitely both agree that the longer a level was, the less likely we are to it, really like it. If it was long and it had some complex parts, that's right out. For yeah. Me. If it's long <laughs> and fairly easy, then I don't mind that as much. When we were like the third temple, like I would have done that one again, easy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the one, er, the first day, I thought the word first and then said one, which is an <laughs> extremely weird thing to do. The first day that we were playing this game, I remember coming in and being like, "Man, I'm like sweating. Oh like, yeah, this game has got me riled in mm-hmm. a way that I wasn't <laughs> expecting from it." And let me tell you the the amount of sweat that I had going on uh, during the level marathon trying to get that ace medal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was intense. It did not take me nearly as many tries as most other levels did uh, to actually get the ace because it's one of the ones where the the medal is a lot more lenient. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, is that it's a very long level and a lot of stuff that you do is very complicated. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's tough. Uh, there is also, just as a side note on medals, like when we're talking about them, mm-hmm. uh, there's this insight system in the game uh, where as you, as I mean, insight is just, it's like term for all progress bars. Uh-huh. Uh, but in terms of levels, when you complete levels with different, uh, metal ranks, you get an increased amount of insight up to level four insight, which would be the equivalent of getting the, the ace on your first try. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you hit insight level three, it unlocks the level hint. Mm-hmm. How do you feel generally speaking about the level hint just being a default option of the game uh i like that it's in there um it it feels like at first i didn't get how it worked like when it was first introduced um but like once i started like it was a big thing that helped me like get the ace medals as it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. um 
So, like, I, I liked it. Um, the implementation, I don't know. I think it, it feels like it's balanced in such a way that, like, if you're doing the level over and over again and you're having trouble with it, then you'll unlock the insight. So it isn't just there. Right. Like, and you don't feel patronized. So, like, I think it's implemented pretty well. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it has... I'm of I'm of one mind, uh-huh. but I can imagine two minds on this subject because to me it felt like it had a couple of ways that it affected my gameplay. One being I just got the gold, and obviously the levels timer was set, mm. assuming that you would find a shortcut, and so it would reveal that shortcut to me. I would finish it. Uh-huh. Probably the most common event. I, I get through the level, I get a gold medal, it goes, well, have you tried maybe one of these? And I go, oh, that's smart. And I do that, and I'm happy with it, I end the, the thing. Usually it still requires a fair amount of execution on the player's part, so it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like I'm being robbed of that. The other happenstance is when you don't find it at all. In yeah. the level. You're like, where the fuck even is that? And I feel like in that situation, when you don't find it, but then you still ace it anyway. Those are the times I'm like most proud of. Yeah. They won't be anywhere on the leaderboards, but like I squeaked it in under the ace time without (laughs) even using a shortcut. To me, that was like a perfectly executed level uh, and felt really good. Yeah. I might be wrong and just now realize that this is an assumption I was making, but like, (laughs) I think some levels just don't have, the shortcuts that is possible um but i yeah i cannot uh say that confidently i'm gonna choose to believe that they all have a shortcut <laughs> because otherwise it diminishes some of those uh yeah really satisfying wins for me um but yeah no, i i feel like it, it probably could use a little bit more of a mix or maybe like some kind of an indicator if a level doesn't have one yeah. um yeah because like it is really satisfying to just do it real fast. Just do it so um, fast. <laughs> but I, I don't. I, I personally appreciate the shortcuts. Like, I, that's more satisfying to me than like. I feel like it would take a lot longer to like find all that stuff yourself and grind out the ace medals without them. Oh yeah, I think I probably wouldn't have done. Yeah, like I'm the kind of person there. that doesn't really want that experience. <laughs> <laughs> so I like the the insight thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. I think that pretty much is true of my feelings as well. I just can't imagine the person who's like, why are you trying to take the challenge out of right. Why are all games for babies? <laughs> I didn't pick up Neon White so I could play Funky Mode. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, then they're probably be getting the ace before it's even unlocked anyway. That's true, yeah. Fuck those people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a life, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm going to be hostile in a totally different way. Uh, do you want to talk about hostile characters after After the break? break? Uh, yeah, we can do that. All right. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. It's me. <laughs> I'm gonna go with something better to say when I come back in. Uh, so let's talk about everything else <laughs> in the game. 
Uh, it's not a lot, but you know, it's honest work. Uh, <laughs> I have like the first note that I took on the game, uh-huh. uh, because uh, after playing through the tutorial, I was pretty certain that mechanically I was like sold. Like I was in on what the game had to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it started playing a cutscene, and by a cutscene, I mean whatever you call dialogue in this game. Uh-huh. And, uh, I wanted to call out that this game uses my absolute least favorite way in video (laughs) games of delivering dialogue, which is spoken voice acted dialogue Uh over a text crawl that you control when it advances. It is like the worst imaginable way to experience a performance Uh known to man (laughs) because any natural pause or cadence in the conversation you are now responsible for it. <laughs> I am not comfortable. I am not a director. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like the one negative thing that I have to say about the game. <laughs> yeah, you had to babysit it. You do. Yeah, I never checked with whether or not there was an option to just make it go automatically. But In my experience, when there is, it just cuts way too fast and there yeah. isn't enough of a pause. Uh, so I tried to direct it appropriately <laughs> for most of the game, but I got to a point where I would just read the text and then right, skip and click through, through it. it yeah. 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 Uh, but anyway, so the presentation of this game, uh-huh. uh, is that you're, you play as a dead guy, uh, voiced by Stephen Blum. <laughs> yes. Um, and you, you, you're what's known as a neon which is you wear a cool mask <laughs> and you hunt demons for the believers. Correct. Yeah. Um, and I, I found all this to be like pretty cool. Like yeah. I liked the, like the, the theming and the presentation of it a lot. Actually the, uh, visual novel esque parts, um, had a very like dang and rampa feel to me. I was thinking that um, too. I don't know. It's like sometimes the the backgrounds are like illustrations, like in the bar, but then other times are like a three D render. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like the, the particular style of it just felt reminiscent of a of a Chun Soft game. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I thought it was all really cool, and like I think like the choice of like setting it in heaven is interesting. Like it it does like the excuses like why the levels look the way they do or explains it uh like they're like these simplistic white buildings and stuff um so yeah i think it all it works really well yeah i I think the setup of the game is extremely cool i think that i like the idea of the uh the 10 days of judgment and like you're brought uh, back from hell in order mm-hmm. to earn a chance at, at redemption or at least a year of it uh, and all of that. I did find, I mean, it's it's cool mm-hmm. and it, I liked it. It is not unique. It, this no. is very much like a battle royale situation. A little, it reminded me a little bit of World Ends With You. Yeah, World Ends With You is a good comparison. Uh, Danganronpa, honestly, is kind of the same because you're everyone's just trying to get to be the last place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is told in that visual novel style uh, where you get gifts and give them to people <laughs> in order for them to, to have conversations with you more. Right. Uh, in fact, I was very, like, put not put off. I was amused 
a lot mm-hmm. when Violet actually, as far as I can tell, is the only one who does this. Violet actually acknowledges that you're giving her presents. Mm. Like there's a, a a part of the game where she's like, "I'm in a real bad mood. If you're not giving me a present, just go away." And I was like, "It's weird because I had fully abstracted, yeah, that in my head. Like I did not imagine that Neon White was walking up." To Red and giving her 17th bottle of perfume. <laughs> right. And being like, oh, you want me to jump on a building again? Because <laughs> that's weird. That's a weird thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was very strange when it got called out and made me have to think about it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also acknowledges story stuff, too. Like, after you... um. She steals the page of the book of her life from you. She'll and you if you go talk to her, she's like, "Don't think I'll give you the page back or whatever." <laughs> well, that's kind of weird. Yeah, it's <laughs> you're calling weird. that out. And I I do want to at this point call back to when I said that I was surprised by when Yellow died mm. because I'm dumb, and it's because early in the game. I looked at all of the relationship trees. Right. Because you have the ability to do that from White's room at any point. Uh, and I was like, they they put in this, like, thing, this confrontation bit, where Violet says, you go to the old city, if Yellow's there, you have to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like, well, Yellow's got, like, fucking 12 <laughs> more gifts before I'm done with his tree, so he can't possibly die. Uh, and then they kill him anyway. Uh, you don't kill him. Green kills him. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I got fooled. And then I was like, oh, God, do I have to, like, restart the game to give him all the gifts? <laughs> and I, no. <laughs> they just have an alternative method for that. Mm-hmm. But I liked that despite them giving you the roadmap of how many things you need to do, I still didn't immediately pick up that that wasn't spoiling stuff. Like the story was able to continue yeah. in a way that made sense to it. It's like intentional misdirection. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. If I had thought about it a little longer, all of his like later gifts are all side quests. Right. And I should have realized like maybe he's going to get taken out of the story at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you're no longer talking to him. But uh, yeah, I-, I thought that was a cool thing. That was a good merging of, the dating sim mechanic parts and the uh, actual like narrative parts. Yeah. Uh, did you end up unlocking all the memories then? Yes. Okay. I did not. <laughs> You're not missing that much mm-hmm. in terms of the actual story. Yeah. To be fair. I just, that's what lets you get the, uh, the true ending. Right. Which I evidently got. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in the in the true ending, you write Green's name to the Book of Life, and then they have like kind of a jokey conversation uh, about you forgiving him and stuff. Uh huh. And then he fades away, and then I presume it just ends the same way as it does in the other endings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there. Well, um, if you write his name in the Book of Death, he dies, obviously. Right. And then, um, what's his name? Mickey the cat or mikey 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 um and god are talking he's like oh well you're not gonna let him into heaven so like uh white doesn't get let into heaven 
Oh and you don't God. get like the ending scene of all of them <laughs> hanging out or whatever. Oh, uh, okay, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, which is one last memory yeah. from back before. That was honestly my biggest problem with the the gift giving relationship tree part is that the to me the memories felt very predictable in a way that was kind of unfortunate. They they didn't the well, I only got three of them. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but um. They didn't really feel like they revealed anything, Agreed, or like you yeah. know they didn't they 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 just felt like purely optional content, yeah, and not like they were important to the story at all. Which I guess is smart because you know you can't count on pe- everyone getting them, right? Uh, but I don't know. It it feels like kind of a missed opportunity to not make them more like interesting or significant. Yeah, they kind of tell the story of the team's final heist uh, mm-hmm. before they go into uh, death and end up where they are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, a lot of it you just kind of see coming. Like you're not like watching it going like, Oh, I wonder if they're going to die. It's like, I'm interacting with their ghost right now. So obviously they're going to die. There's no tension there. Uh, at best, it provides a little bit of context between uh the relationships between the characters right and that's about what you get which isn't bad but it is like i would watch them and go like uh-huh sure totally <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> why did you click the mouse yeah as i click um, the mouse along and try and make it sound okay yeah so another thing about the story that i had thoughts on um was there's a part where you have like a a memory of green like i think after like maybe your second boss fight with him or something. I don't remember when it happens, Uh Um, but it's like a story thing. And he mentions blue and like by name, like a character. And then there's a part later on where God talks to you and it doesn't say God just says question mark, question mark, question mark where his name is. And the question marks are in blue. And I was like, Oh, it's not going to be God. It's going to be blue. And he's going to be like, puppet mastering or like i don't know it's like some kind of theory about like that being related at least in some way right but it as far as i can tell it never is it cost green everything to get revenge on blue in <laughs> right life, yeah and then blue gets revenge on him in, ultimately in, in the death. afterlife yeah uh that would be pretty cool and as far as i can tell isn't what happened but if it was i'd be super in favor of it yeah uh i had a similar thought i think not I, I think once they revealed it to be God, I didn't... You just accepted it? Just immediately, yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't go for it. Like, I kind of guessed it was God, but I also felt like I was kind of guessing everything that was happening in the game. Right. Which was unfortunate. That, yeah. That's. I mean, it's fine. The game's not about its narrative, right. really, but... Yeah, it, it's one of those, like, middle ground kind of games. Like, it's clearly put in a lot of effort to have a story and to look cool and stylish and stuff and have an interesting, unique presentation. But yeah, in the end, it's really just about its gameplay and didn't put as much resources into the story. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a natural transition here, so I'm going to take it. All right. Uh, and that is to something that I've, I've read. This is like the one think piece thing that i knew about prior to playing this game okay and that was that people uh thought that violet 
Mm-hmm. Neon Violet, the character, was, as the k- kids would say, a little cringe. Uh-huh. Uh, and to that, I, and I remember the reason I was aware of this was in the context of somebody saying that, yes, she is, but that's the point. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is even too lukewarm of a take. Because <laughs> it feels like everyone is pretty cringe. in the, Everything about the narrative of this game is pretty cringe. Yeah. Uh, the, the dialogue... And that seems like the point. Yeah, the dialogue can be pretty juvenile at times. Um, I don't know, it, it fades in and out, I think. Like, Violet just seems like the most, like everything stacked against her though for sure uh, yeah. like she's got like the fan servicey character design um and yeah like pretty much exclusively all every anything that she talks about is just like boys <laughs> why why don't you like me right oh, i like green now i'll do everything for him you know she's just really tropey like the other yeah. characters had at least a little bit something more to them that's true. And I think White specifically is the one who gets who ends up with the most sort of like external characterization because he isn't he is a trope in and of himself, but he's forced to interact with everyone else mm-hmm. and therefore also has to be able to have those interactions without being just a trope, whereas everyone else kind of is allowed to just do that and not really deal with it. Red mm-hmm. would be runner up for obvious reasons. Um but then also, I can't complain about Yellow, because I love a Ryuji, you yep. know? You like a himbo. I like a dumb blonde guy. <laughs> He's like my favorite uh, archetype that just seems to show up in tons of games, uh, and I'm always just in favor of it. Like, Yellow's <laughs> a cool dude to be around, like listening to his dialogue. Uh, it was very funny, and I enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I do want to bring up... Uh, and I don't know if we have more to talk about as far as how cringe the dialogue is at times. <laughs> I think that's all there really is to say. Yeah, it makes a, a few very obvious video game references, which I always am not in favor of. But well, well, I think they do it less absurdly. Yeah, I don't know if this is one you would have caught, but like, there's like a the game starts with like a little cinematic. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And one of the first lines that's delivered is he said, I, "I'm finding it hard to believe we're in heaven." Which is like a reference to like a '90s pop song. Uh, <laughs> no, I did not. Yeah, catch it's just that like one. right on Front Street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's late '80s, early '90s. I think I don't remember. I would believe it. You don't even have to question yourself around yeah. me. You can just be like, <laughs> "I'll just say a thing," and Chad will be like, "Yeah, totally." Yeah. Anyway, can so continue. Yeah. Uh, so, did you? This is a weird topic of conversation. Uh, did you pick up on kind of a gay thing? Uh, between green mm. and white, um, yeah, um, I I didn't read it that way uh-huh. personally. Like, I don't think they actually were, but like, I feel like this is like a really common thing in. I don't know, I guess all fiction, like there's like a lot of people like ship male characters together, like uh, like Sherlock and. Moriarty and fucking like any like protagonist and adversary like Light right. and L and Death Note that kind of stuff like intellectual equals I think a tend classic, to get shipped yeah. together a lot so it's definitely a thing <laughs> um 
And yes, I did pick up in, on it in this. Yeah, to me, the thing, because I agree with that, with your initial, it's like, I they, I don't believe that they were intended to be. But I'm sure there's lots of fan art, though, for white and green. True. <laughs> to me, it feels like... Or ween. It, w- yeah, a ween <laughs> of course, with an H. <laughs> yeah. W-H-E-E-N. Uh... <laughs> uh they to me I, it feels like they were written that way mm-hmm. to be not gay but make you think about it mm. because there's tons of just like literally tons of references to it where it's, there's like a, a memory scene with Violet where he's like yeah I was like I was getting a, I was taking a break getting a drink at the water fountain and suddenly Green throws his arms around me and like suplexes me into the ground or whatever and mm-hmm. Violet's like is that the one where your head's between the guys and he's like yep uh, <laughs> and it's like it's it's and she's like oh some guys have all the luck because yeah. she likes green and to me it's like if you're gonna write gay characters mm-hmm. you should make them gay <laughs> because this is I mean I guess queer baiting is the term for this right is less respectful in a way it's like the one major issue I took because I was along for the ride, right? For the full-on ridiculous two thousands emo kid protagonists <laughs> get together and like have a fun B movie in heaven, right? Uh, I was a hundred. I was fucking put me down on the list of people who love that and write it with the ink horn and close the book. Uh, because that's me for eternity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, like, that was just the one thing that I was like, this is a weird writing choice to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it feels kind of hard to say. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, like, trying to put a <laughs> cast aspersions here. Yeah. Just, it just felt odd mm-hmm. to me. I don't know. Uh, I guess one thing I was going to ask you, since you got all the gifts and everything, um. Do you, do you ever get anything to do at the beach? Oh, yes. Um, those, that was actually... Well, there's the one scene where you go swimming. Right. But, I mean, other than that, because you should go there and he's like, oh, I wish I had something to throw in it. Yeah. Do you ever get anything to throw in it? You get four things precisely to throw in it. And it is, uh, this is extremely weird. And I, I, this is uh, one of those things that could exist in multiple conversations that we've already had, and I didn't bring it up, I guess, because uh-huh. I forgot. Uh, the Green's gifts, in order to progress Green's storyline, mm-hmm. uh, they are not presents you find in the level. You'll look around... I only I discovered this when I was like looking for the level shortcut in a particularly very long level mm-hmm. and thought that I had found it. Uh, it's those hand symbols with the eye, like the insight symbol. Right. Uh, but they're green. And when you get to them, sometimes it takes you straight into like a secret level mm. that's styled in the way of the side quest levels. Okay. Um, and you run through them they're not they're not challenging in fact i think two of them are literally the same layout entirely Mm. uh where green is like a ghostly apparition in front of you and you run after him and then you jump to him and then you slice with the sword which i think is automatic because i tried Mm. not clicking one time and it did just seem to do it anyway uh and he's like again and you do it again and you do that several times and then you get a coin and then 
the beach is like where you deliver okay otherwise it works exactly the same okay no i never found a single one of those yeah but there's a couple of times where you hit the the green hand and it spawns demons Mm. and you it you then have to platform up to a second hand the one in in marathon is the most notable because it's like the level itself is like a two minute level and then you go past the ending. So you have to do the entire level all the way to the end mm-hmm. and then run around the book and out the back of the room and it'll spawn a bunch of balloon demons and you have to platform up the tower, which takes like another minute and a <laughs> half to do. Yeah. Uh, and then you get up there and then you get the little level and, and, and move on. So Interesting. Yeah, I thought the delivery method was extremely cool, but it it doesn't differ from the other things enough yeah. after that so uh you know you win some you lose some yeah i guess and another thing you just made me think of uh is what do you think about the sword as oh, a yeah. mechanic uh it it feels really underutilized to me i would agree i think there is like the best use of it in the whole game as far as i'm concerned uh is the level that starts with the tripwire uh, and you just don't get a gun for like mm-hmm. ten seconds, and you just have to like cut trip wires. Yep, I know exactly what level you're talking about. Yep, it's a really cool uh, implementation. Made you actually think about the sword and what you lack when you ha- only have it, mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise the game just doesn't want you to only have the sword for the most part. Yep. Uh, like even from the very beginning. Yeah. You like never just have the sword. Yeah, like, even on, like, the movement stages, like, you might slash it a couple of times just to be like, what does left click do? Right. But you have no reason to use it otherwise. Yeah, it just, it it only stood out, well, it stands out to me because it's there, um, (laughs) and it goes underutilized, but, like, it's, like, mentioned in cutscene, or, you know, in the dialogue scenes, so it just seemed, like, it's, like, part of the character is that he's, like, a, a dude in a white suit who studied the blade or whatever. Yeah, and he brings it up all the time. Like, there's there's a debate that happens as one of uh, Mikey's side quest options or his dialogue thing where he's like, I'm writing an article for the Mikey Times that is apparently a magazine that he circulates in, in heaven uh, about what's better, swords versus guns. And they have this whole conversation. And it's funny to, to listen to because you can tell that like white obviously is the character you're playing as so theoretically he's had all the same experiences as you Mm -hmm. within the world of the game and it should be screamingly obvious to him that guns are better than the sword at least in the (laughs) realm of heaven right where mikey's enraptured audience surely all exist in uh so it, it feels weird to how how many times they call it out. Mm-hmm. The last uh, reward that I think everyone gets as part of the story mm-hmm. uh, of the Heavenly Delights tree is a keychain of a cool sword. Right. And a useless keychain. A useless keychain, so says the achievement. Uh, and there is... And, oh. It felt like there definitely should have been an actual sword upgrade. Mm. Like you clip it onto your sword like it's a keyblade and just like <laughs> yeah. have your sword do two damage instead of one. Like that would have been interesting. I just had the realization 
that you play a character who's like an assassin that wields a katana, uh-huh. but you kill the main bad guy with a pen because it is mightier than the sword. Because the pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> it's got a strong... That has to be intentional. Yeah, it has a very strong anti-war stance like right there at the end. <laughs> uh, we didn't mention... And I just talked about the side quest rooms. We didn't actually mm. talk about the side quests themselves. Uh, we didn't break down the main story levels, so I don't see a particular reason to do that with these. Mm-hmm. But uh, did you have a least favorite character side quest to do, and why was it Violets? Uh, I see, I really liked Violets. Oh, man. Like, I thought, like, once again, I said I like the difference in kind. And I think, like, just, like, the don't hit the spikes... Uh, was an interesting modifier, I thought. Those were some of the most stressful ones, but they were always short. I don't know. I liked them all, actually. I don't really think I had a least favorite. Yeah, I, I think I liked most of them. About, I mean, my favorites Reds to do were cool. yellows. Or wait, is, who's just have the ones where, like, you basically just have to stay in the air the whole time? That is right, yeah. Okay, yeah, I like those, too. Yeah, those are good. Yellows are the ones where you can't use the discard. Right. Okay. So, to me, they felt like the ones that were the most different to the main game quests. Uh, Violets just, like, irked me a lot because they were a lot of gotchas, things that you can't predict. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure you got the Idiot Island achievement. Which one is that? Oh, there's a a level... Well, you may not have gotten to the side quest, possibly. Yeah, I think... I did at least two of everybody's. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many there are. I don't remember. Yeah. It's usually, like, every third thing or whatever. And there are 19 levels for Violet, so... uh, This could have been later on. But there's one where it's, like, a stomp-centric one. Mm -hmm. Where there's a, a, a tower... That has little fucking cartoon wooden signs mm. that number the floors, and you start on floor fifty-one, and you start going down. Okay, I definitely didn't do this. Okay, yeah. you start going down the tower, and you just stomp through a, a platform, and then get another stomp, and then stomp through the next platform on repeat, and it counts down from fifty-one to one, and then to zero, and then to negative one. And it keeps going until like negative like 12 or 13. And there's a spot where you're supposed to run out instead of stomping through. Mm. And if you continue to stomp through, then it just plops you onto an island with a sign that says idiot on it. <laughs> <laughs> and so like that is funny and is worth the joke. And yeah. there are a couple of those in the game. Like there's one and, like Violet set it up herself. Right, yeah. like this is just here as a gag, and there is the the an achievement for if you use the uh, hand of God to grapple onto a. I'm saying hand of God. That's what I was calling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not what it is. Uh, the page of the book of life. Uh-huh. To it has a hand on it. Yeah. Uh, to grapple onto a mimic. Uh, it kills you and you yeah. get an achievement for that. I got that one. Yeah, because that's like it's set up level, to fuck yeah. you up. Yeah called surprise maybe it is yeah Yeah. so i i did like some elements of the gotchas but they became very annoying after you did like six of them yeah i just didn't do as many i guess is is why i don't mind yeah her last one is kind of wild because you have to like it it presents uh like a, a a level that seems doable and then you get to the end and it's just impossible and the actual answer is to throw yourself off the side of a cliff 
midway through and then there's like a whole platforming section and a timing mini game and then you complete the level Mm -hmm. so that one also i felt was inspired uh but for the most part i was just like it's intentional obviously that you aren't supposed to like fly through hers right but man did it it was it felt like a roadblock to me more than a a super fun difference in kind (laughs) Mm -hmm. so you think we've blathered on enough i do all right. Do we have firmament thoughts? Uh, my firmament thoughts are uh, this game didn't disappoint. Uh, this was one that, as I said, I remember people talking about a lot online when it came out and it stood out as unique and interesting uh, and that it was. Um, yeah, like I think similarly to you, like when I saw the cards that gave me like a different idea of like how they would work and like what the game would be like. So I had a little bit of apprehension. Like we didn't do the podcast. I probably wouldn't have played this um, because of that. Um, Even though I like chain of memories and (laughs) theoretically uh, know that just because it controls with cards doesn't mean it's bad, but um, uh, yeah, the game is really cool. I think like the learning process, like getting partway through the game and going back was really satisfying and being able to, like, take advantage of the stuff you know and, like, the skills you have to, like, get a way faster time than you ever thought you could. Um, and, yeah, I think it, it has, sort of like, a one of the smoothest difficulty curves of all time. Uh, it By the end, you're flying around everywhere, <laughs> like, doing all this crazy stuff. Like, I almost kind of wish I would have captured footage from later in the game so mm-hmm. I can watch it, like six months from now and be like wow <laughs> like look at all this crazy <laughs> shit i'm doing because like in the moment it doesn't really you, you somehow like are able to like read everything and know what to do and where to go uh it's all really impressive and um accessible because like i feel like i'm not like i like a game where you have to like execute and do you know like the perfect thing but like they're not like my jam they're not something i like love or or seek out specifically but I can get into them, but, like, I fell into this one so much more naturally, I think, than any other uh, one of those kinds of games I've played. So, um, just, yeah, really well-designed, uh, cool uh, overall aesthetic and theming, too, as a nice cherry on top. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Yeah, I more or less agree. This, As far as, like, the game I, I mentioned before... Uh, and now have mentioned multiple times, games like Hotline Miami, Celeste, Super Meat Boy are all games that give me a similar feeling to playing this game in that they are games you need to practice and get better at individual levels, and they all provide you with quick iteration time so that that process is as painless as possible. Um, This is the accessible version of that. So if you enjoyed those games or felt like you would like them, but they were too difficult to get into. I feel like Neon White is probably among the the simplest to smoothly introduce you to that concept. And once you get through this game, you'll sort of like realize like, oh, I had the potential in me all along and can then move on to some other ones. Uh, This is, though, with all that in consideration actually ends up being one of my favorites of those types of games like the the constant re- uh, repetition type games because the feeling of speed in this game is just very real 
Uh, and it, it feels good to do and feels good to improve at. Uh, and that's not true of very many games at all, let alone games within this genre. So I, I do got to give it that. And also, before anybody gets angry at us, uh, because I somehow, and you, we both somehow didn't mention this in any way, uh, the music in this game is so fucking over the top, uh, and it fits so perfectly. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just a wild ride, and it, it changes moods, uh, just constantly, uh, except like within the levels themselves, it's always frantic. It's always interesting. And there's always like one like verbal part of every song that like reminds you about the music mm -hmm. and keeps you listening like to aim it. for the heavens or whatever. Yeah. The, most, the one I remember. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and I did love it. Um, and I just forgot to mention it before. So uh, check that out. I think by an artist that, if I'm not mistaken, his name is Machine Girl. Uh, very cool soundtrack. Liked it a lot. Uh, sorry, I had to interrupt my final thoughts. Mm -hmm. Anyway, 10 out of 10, best game ever. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to No Clip This Week. What did the die say we're talking about next time? Yeah, so... Uh, we are raising into the rafters. We're <laughs> sunsetting Mystery May. Mystery May has been going on for four years now, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, since since the days of... It's been a while. Yeah. Of 999 and Danganronpa uh, in the first year. So it is sad to see it go. I mean, we could always bring it back. We could. At some point if we want to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, I felt like the, the theme of the month was getting a little bit too abstract with pull games that they don't, they had mysteries and they definitely did fit the theme, but they no longer were the games that you would like that screamed mystery solving. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it's time to put it to bed at least for a while uh, and move on to something entirely different. So we're introducing a new theme month for next month that's called Mystery May, uh, where I <laughs> that is uh, we roll a die on a table of games that we've been just completely ignoring mm -hmm. on our list. Uh, anytime they come up, we're like, eh, let's try this other thing instead. Uh, and so to force ourselves to finally do it, uh, I put together a table for us to to roll on uh so i'm gonna pull that up mm -hmm. and uh gonna warm up the die yeah warm those up uh and i've probably cut this out mm -hmm. and put it as a separate thing because not everyone's gonna listen to the end of this episode uh we i will say uh i do want to put this table up on the website at some point mm, the discord yeah so you can take a look join at the it. discord also join the discord uh, and I, I think there is where I'll have an explanation. We have things for critical hits and critical failures, mm -hmm. uh, but we I'll, won't go into it. Yeah. Here. Unless it comes up. So All right. here we go. Roll the die. Well, it's a critical miss. <laughs> Here's how we're going to pick up. Okay.
Uh, I'm going to be candid about what happened. Yep. Uh, we, I, I put together this table yesterday about how we're going to roll on it and figure out what game we're going to play. And I was like, pretty much no chance whatsoever that we roll. I mean, there's a 10% chance that we hit either a crit or a, a, a miss or a failure. And we did. We hit the failure. And then we rolled on the punishment table that I also made. <laughs> Uh, and it gave us something that very obviously should be a pocket episode. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to splice that, what happened, mm-hmm. um, which I thought if we rolled a crit on either as the first roll, it was going to appear rigged. But then this conversation, <laughs> I think, pretty much proves that it was not. Uh <laughs> Uh, so you'll hear that at the end of yeah. the Shadow of the Colossus episode. Probably my two l- least favored outcomes happened. Yeah, it's not a, it's not great. So anyway, so look forward but to that. As a pocket, I feel much better about it though. Oh yeah, way better as a pocket. Okay, so okay. here goes the second roll. So you got the table pulled up. You got the table pulled up. All right, it's here, come go. on, full episode. A three. three. Ooh, okay, this is interesting. So. As our first mystery main. Nice. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Just going to take a moment to basket it. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be talking about Braid. Okay. A game that has been on the list. If you look at my list, I had it in order, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I didn't randomize it before we did this because the dice do that for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff early on the list is stuff that has been on our list for, like, ages. Yeah, I, I think I remember... Back when we would record at your parents' house, yeah. sitting on the back porch and putting Braid on the list. Yep. In, like, 2016. Yeah, and so I've played a little bit of Braid. Yeah. But not Me- the whole thing. Yeah, I've played a couple hours of it. So that'll be exciting. In, like, 2011, I think. <laughs> so don't don't remember any of that. So check us out then. And if you're just here on the YouTube short... See you later. Hey. Uh, <laughs> uh, but until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information and the tables for Mystery May are going to be on our website at noclippodcast.com. Uh, there you can find links to all of our old episodes, including ones that we did on uh, fucking Hotline Miami and Celeste. Uh, the games that I've referenced several Mirror's times. Mirror's Edge. Somehow, I never referenced that the whole time we talked about this. This is also weird and true. Uh, we talked about a game recently that had first-person platforming in it that was bad. Don't tax my memory right now. Yeah. I'm tired. tired. <laughs> uh, so you can check that one out, too. Uh, and it's, uh, yep, and fucking smash that like button. Purify <laughs> your squee. That's a joke no one gets. That like button. Ooh. Ooh. Uh. 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 Uh.